So, uh, have you ever wished that you had a little bit more? I mean, have you ever, you know, just kind of felt like, you know, I just, just need a little bit, maybe it's, you know, something simple as money, right? Just a little bit more money, or, or maybe, you know, just a, a little bit, you know, you know, more, you know, things, you know, like a, just a, one more movie, right? You know, or just, just one more ad, to add to my collection, right? One, one more, you know, maybe just a little bit bigger house, right? If we just had one more room in our house. If, yeah, yeah, right, man? I see Petros back there. Yeah, we need two more rooms, actually. Um, they got 10 kids. Uh, I don't know why you don't have enough room. Uh, yeah, just, just we, we have this tendency, right, to kind of just want a little bit more. Have, have you ever feared, like, you know, maybe not having enough? Like, you know, have you ever feel like, feared like maybe even bankruptcy or, or oh man, we're not going to have enough to make the ends meet. We're going to be able to pay the bills. Or, or have you ever felt, you know, maybe felt like you're just, you know, going to get to the end of the month and, and there's not, there's no more. There's just nothing there, not enough to make it through. We have a culture uh, that, it, that highlights productivity, right? Uh, we have a culture that tells us that pro- productivity is king and, and that all of us, are only as valuable as what we produce. What, what we have is that, you know, kind of that element, right? You know, it's not just the, the paycheck. It's not the money in the bank, but it's also the things that we have in our homes, the, the cars that we have, the clothes that we wear. You know, the, those all tell people that we have. And if, it tells that pe- if people know that we have, they know that we've produced. And if we produce, that means obviously we're valuable. And oftentimes, the more you have, the more valuable you're seen. Uh, how about, have you ever been, felt like just totally overwhelmed? Felt like, you know, you, you just, you, 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 there's, you, there's so much to do and, and you can't possibly get it all done. Have you ever felt, you know, just totally stressed and anxious or, 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 or always maybe that way? I mean, is every week kind of this, oh, am I going to make it? Am I going to be able to get everything done? I need to get done. Have you ever felt that way? Ever felt that maybe that there's just, if you don't do it, no one will do it? Do you fear letting people down, letting a friend down, letting maybe a family member down, letting your kids down? you ever fear those things? Or again, our culture highlights multitaskers, right? If you can do all of these amazing things, then you, you, there's some success. You know, some busyness equals success. The, you know, the one who's busiest is going to be the one who's su- most successful, and so when, when you, even when you ask, people ask you, how, how's your day been, right? We, we typically, you know, I fall into this all the time. You know, uh, busy. It's been a busy day. Another busy day, you know, but I'm making it through kind of thing, right? And, and that's almost like kind of saying, yeah, I'm successful because I'm busy, right? But that's kind of how our culture operates. I mean, if they come up to us and say, you know, somebody asks you how you're doing, oh, man, it's been a lazy day, just been sitting around, doing nothing, just like I did yesterday and the day before, the day before that, you know. I mean, right? I mean, our culture, uh, maybe you need to get off your butt and do something once in a while, right? (laughs) Have you ever felt like you don't have enough time? Like, Like, you just wish you had, like, one more day each week, right? I mean, wouldn't that be great to have one more day each week? And ever, have you ever joked like, uh, I'll sleep when I'm dead? Right? Have you ever, you ever said that? Yeah, I, I, I've said it a couple times. Oh, yeah, I'll just sleep when I'm dead. I got too many things going on. I don't have time for sleep. Any of us ever uh, fear not being able to experience all the things that we want to experience? Fear that we're not going to get it in before the end of our life or, or fear that we're not going to complete 
the tasks that we've begun. Again, our culture highlights efficiency, that, that we need to fill every second with something because it's limited, time is limited. Listen to these stunning stats because this is a, actually a very new um, phenomenon in American culture. I, I read recently the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And in that book, he has, I'll give you several things that he says in there, but it, it gives out some stats, first of all. It says that 100 years ago, and think about it, this is true, I kind of alluded to this a minute ago, but 100 years ago, the one who was most involved in leisure were the most successful in our society. The ones that spent their time sitting around, not doing anything, that was a, that was a sign of successful. But now, obviously, it's totally opposite that. Again, it's the busy that are seen as successful. The ones that have the most seem to be the ones who are the busiest and working the hardiest, hardest and working 80, 90, 100 hours, whatever a week, right? Today, we are working four more weeks per year than 50 years ago. Four more weeks for the year. Uh, before the light, now this will blow you away. This, uh, when I read this, I was like, no way. I told my wife, and she's like, see, honey, I am, I, I'm, this is the way we're made. Anyway, I'll tell you what I mean by that now. Here. Before the light bulb was invented in, in 1879 by Edison, the average person slept, get this, 11 hours All you night owls, all those people that don't like to get up in the morning, yeah, 11 hours. That was average. Today, it's about seven. Yeah, seven would be nice, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's average, okay? I mean, you're, you're in a different category there. Anyways, so that just tells you, I mean, we are so, uh, there's so much more going on now than it was even 50 years ago. Our lives are much fuller, more, uh, we've got more things going on. We're, we're awake longer, we're more busy, we're working more hours. Uh, consider this as well, there's uh, the great distraction of our culture today. In 2007, only 12 years ago, the first smartphone hit the market. 2007. The average user today is on their phone two and a half hours a day. Now, for millennials, of course, we need to double or triple that, right? And younger. This is also amazing to think about. When, uh, this quote I'm going to give you in a minute is um, it's just, it's important for us to understand these things. Facebook and games for apps on your phone are not based on a consumer mentality. They, they, they create Facebook and games in a way to, how, they, they think about how to consume as much of our time and consciousness as possible. See, it's not about just us completing the game. It's about us constantly being back into it, drawing, drawing us back into it every moment we can get. The, the alerts that happen on our phones for Facebook or whatever, or any other app that we have, social media app. It's, it's, it's designed to get us to pull the phone out of our pocket and look at it again. 
This is a quote from Comer. He says, your phone doesn't actually work for you. You pay for it, yes, but it works for a multi-million dollar, billion dollar, multi-billion dollar company in California. Not for you. You're not the customer. You're the product. It's your attention that's for sale, along with your peace of mind. Let that sink in. We are the product that they're selling. The amazing thing about, and the reason I add technology into this busy schedule that we all have, is because technology has always been, you know, kind of the idea, make us more efficient so that we have more leisure time. But it's not, that's not happened. It's actually made us busier. But then even this, when we do have leisure time, we, it's a huge distraction. We go immediately to our phones. And it just distracts us with things that are pointless. And, and the reality is this. We are so busy in our lives that when we do get a break, the first thing that we, I mean, we don't have any time. We don't have any more mind power to be able to focus on anything else. And so we do get a break, and what do we want to do? We want to sit down, we just grab our phone and do something mindless and look through our feed, or we'll play a game, or we watch the TV, or whatever. Technology is just a great distraction from life and a time waster. Now, this has been rapidly developing over the last 50 years, as we see with these stats. But there, the title of the message this morning is Forgotten Sunday. And it's kind of a play in a sense because this Sunday between Christmas and New Year's is often kind of a forgotten Sunday. You know, it's, it's the Sunday that, you know, all the lead pastors leave town and all the associate pastors have to preach. And that's just what it is. It's the Sunday that, you know, kind of all the church staff kind of goes, oh, we can kind of take it easy on this Sunday, you know. And it, usually, you know, attendance is down quite a bit because, you know, people are in families or out of town or whatever it may be. And so it's kind of this forgotten Sunday, but more than that, what we see is that uh, over the years, our culture has influenced us as Christians as well to the point that, you know, it's not just this Sunday that's forgotten. It's actually every Sunday. You know, we used to have, I, I remember growing up I, when I was in church as a teenager. I loved church. I loved being there whenever, you know, this is my extroversion showing again. But I loved to be there whenever the doors were open. And so we had morning service, I was there. We had evening service, I was there. They had Wednesday service, I was there, right? And, and this was just typical. This was the world of the Christian world that we lived in. That you, that's what you did. You went to church in the morning, you went to church in the evening, and oftentimes there was some kind of meal in between that usually was with church people, or maybe you went back to your house and you were home with your family. But we saw that that has slowly been diminishing. And to the point now where an hour and a half, it's hard to even get people to stick around for that. But more than that, it's not just about attendance at church. It's about what is happening after church even. Many uh, in the Christian realm have begun to even give up on that. And, and now Sabbath is just, you know, from 9 to noon in the morning. And then once you get home in the afternoons, well, there's a lot of things we've got to get done. Maybe you take a little nap, but then we've got, you know, we've got chores we've got to finish. We've got to get ready for the work week because Monday's you know, going to hit us and we've got to go. We have too often bought in to this value-based in productivity mindset of our culture that pushes us to go, 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 go. 
If you answered any of the questions earlier about you know, being too busy or, or just wanting a little bit more or being afraid of you know, being seen as lazy, you've bought into it. it. It's influencing you. What we need to recognize is that God has given us a beautiful thing, and it's called Sabbath. A beautiful thing that's for us, not against us. First of all, it's a command, certainly. Exodus 28, we read it earlier. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. This is not some antiquated old way of living. This is not some Old Testament thing that we just throw out. This is part of the Ten Commandments. This is part of the, the way that we are meant to live. The way that the rhythm of life that we are meant to, to, to live through and to walk through. It's not some impossible lifestyle. If God just knew, I mean, if he lived today, then he probably wouldn't have us, you know, be, you know, following the Sabbath. I mean, come on, it's just ridiculous. One whole day of sitting around doing nothing? Come on, that doesn't make sense, God. It's too busy. There's too much going on. But that's not the case. That is not the reality of what this Sabbath is all about. Uh, Corey Ten Boom said this, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And how have we corrupted this commandment to Sabbath by allowing this culture to keep us busy? Because it's telling us that you have to produce. And if you don't produce enough, well, then you're just not enough. Even God gives us his own example, Genesis 2.2. By the seventh day, God had finished his work, and he had been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. God even rested. He took a day off. It's a rhythm that he sets in place for us. Comer quotes in his, one of his quotes in his book says this, says, God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. But love has, a, love has its speed it is a different kind of speed from technological speed to which we are accustomed. It is slow, yet it is Lord over all other speeds since it is the speed of love. And his point in this part of his book is to say that, that in order to develop loving relationships, we have to have time. It's not about a speeding through our Bible devotion that's, you know, that long on the page. Reading the two verses that go with it and the quick prayer, thank you for this day, see you later, Lord. You can't develop that love relationship with God or with each other unless you have time. Sabbath is about that love relationship with God and with each other. We have to move slower. We can't let this world's pressure to be in a hurry cause us to race past the things that truly are valuable, that God says are valuable. He even tells us that all, Scripture even tells us that all creation is meant to Sabbath. Leviticus 25.4, but in the seventh year, the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. They were not to 
they were not to, you know, kind of reap the, the, they were not to till the land. They were not to, you know, you know, harvest the crops on the seventh year. This was the command that was given to the Israelites. They were supposed to let the land have a Sabbath for a year. And obviously farming, you know, today knows why you do that to kind of get the nutrients back into the ground and so that the fruit will continue to produce for years to come. But if you don't ever let it rest, then it is no nutrients ever replenished. And so then you have a problem. But also, this is the design of God's creation. That even the creation should rest. But again, the Sabbath is not just a command. It's not just like a go to your corner and sit there for a day, right? This is not God's perspective. God's not like, hey, you know, you guys have been bad. You've not been doing the right things. I mean, look at all the sin you've been doing for the last six days. You need to spend some time repenting, right? I mean, this is not God, okay? Sabbath is for us. It's a blessing. It's not a punishment. Mark 2, 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, this is not something that's meant to be done legalistically in a sense of, oh, if you miss the Sabbath, you're going to hell. But it's meant to be as a, as a joy for us. It's, it's like these things that our parents, or maybe we as parents, have told our kids to do, like brushing their teeth, right? I mean, uh, when they're little, oftentimes like, I hate brushing, did you brush your teeth? No. Let me smell your breath. You know, did you actually smell your, because you know, they don't really brush your teeth, right? And, you know, but it's not like that. Well, it is like that. Because God is telling us to do these things, and even though maybe it's hard for us to do it, there are huge benefits for us when we do it. It's like exercise, right? I mean, I hate exercise, but I know that, you know, I got to occasionally do something. I can't just sit on the couch all day. I know. I only work one day a week. Remember that. (laughs) So I got to exercise every once in a while, right? Because it's good for me, right? I kind of hate it, but at the same time, I love it. And the reality is this too, like the more we do it, the more we fall in love with it. The more you brush your teeth, at some point you kind of go, oh, actually that feels good to brush my teeth. And we start doing it more and more. And the more you exercise, the more you enjoy that exercise. And it gets, there's something it does to your body. You like it and you're excited about it. But the Sabbath is not, you know, just something that God has given us to do, again, there's major and beautiful and powerful benefits. Consider Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 29. Come to me, Jesus says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We so often look at this, and this, I'm sure this passage has got to be preached a lot nowadays because we are so busy. And when we hear that Jesus says, come and rest, we kind of go, oh man, that would be awesome. But do we ever do it? See, the reality is he's given us a rhythm of life that we're meant to live through that has Sabbath in it, rest in it, every week. And that if we do that, that actually will slow down the rest of our life so that we can be enjoying this amazing rest. See, with rest comes joy. With rest comes, you know, just this happiness and relationships. And rest comes, you know, times of worship and celebration. And rest, we were able to put things in context. You know, this is, this is the problem with hurry, is that we lose our perspective. And now the little things seem like they're huge things. Even though they're still just little things. And so when we rest, when we take a step back, when we stop the busyness of our life, we're able to gain perspective and go, oh, that's just a little thing. I can let that go. 
Sabbath brings great relief as well. Matthew 11 and verse 30, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, Jesus says. It brings relief. When we begin to operate under the, the rhythm of Sabbath, it relieves our stress. Especially in this culture that is constantly pushing us to go, 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 go. When we take one day and say, no, this one day is going to be set aside. I'm not going to work on this day. I'm not going to check email. I'm not going to do the chores. I'm not going to do all these crazy things that you know, I, I want to do or my, my, the world is telling me to do. I'm going to take a day and just rest and be with my Lord and with my family and with friends. It relieves the stress. It helps us again to be able to get our eyes on Jesus and what's going on and what the value of the things that we're doing. It helps us to reevaluate our life. What are we spending our, you know, these six days on? Are they worthy of us spending those six days on? It also helps us to stop being self-reliant. When we take a day and rest, all of a sudden now we're dependent on God. I mean, we could be working that day and make some more money, or we could be making sure we're you know, being productive so that we're getting stuff done. But then we just are always leaning on ourselves, leaning on our own abilities, instead of trusting God, recognizing that it's Him, not me. We need to trust Him. We need to lean on Him. So I want to be clear, this is not a message that's meant to be a hammer. It's meant to be an invitation. That God is inviting us. He's blessed us with this Sabbath command. Of all of the commands, maybe, well, maybe that's not a right way to say it, but uh, the, the commands are all meant for our goodness. They're all meant to develop those relationships with each other and with God. There's a reason this one is in between the, you know, we got ten, you know, ten commandments, right? Okay, the first four often are seen as towards God, and the Sabbath, Sabbath is the fourth one. But the fifth one then turns and starts looking at our relationships with each other. Well, fourth is kind of both. It helps us with our relationship with God indeed, but it also is meant to help us in our relationship with each other. But all of them are there for our blessing for our goodness, for, for, for what will help us in this life, to help us to survive. So often the reason that we have burnout is because we don't have good rhythms. We don't have a Sabbath in our life. If you want to recuperate your, 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 the, you know, your life, <laughs> recuperate your, yourself back to you know, a, a place of peace, if you want to be able to refresh yourself and not be all burnout all day and working at the end of your rope, then Sabbath is for you. So the question maybe then is, so how do we get started? Because the reality is, I think many of us probably in this room practice some form of Sabbathing. Some of us probably, you know, we're, you know, Sunday morning and that's it. A few hours. And so how do we get started? How, how do we work down this path? What, what, what's, the, how, what's, what's the rules on this Sabbath? So I want to just throw out a few ideas. First of all, I think the most important is we have to first decide that we're going to say no. We have to say no to stuff. If your life is out of control and you're just constantly busy every day of the week and you don't have any time for rest, then you are saying yes too many times. See, this has been said before, but every time you say yes, you say no to something else, right? And so we need to start saying no 
so that we can say yes to something else, and that something else is rest. We have to build margin in our life so that we can have time to have a Sunday. I had this thought come to me back a few, um, few months ago, talking with someone about vacation and how they kind of love vacation, but they hate vacation. Because, you know, there's always that huge pileup when you get back of all the things that you got to do that didn't get done while you were gone. So you take a week or you take a couple of weeks and then you come back and it's just chaos. And the thing that came to me is that if we have, I think that if we have enough margin in our life, if our rhythms are correct, that we can take a vacation for a couple of weeks and come back. And yes, it'll be chaotic. But if it's still chaotic after about two or three weeks after we get back from vacation, we don't have enough margin. Because we should have enough margin in our life to be able to put in an extra hour or two every day after we get back from vacation to kind of catch up. But then we should catch up within a couple of weeks and go again. See, we don't have enough margin. We say yes to too many things. Yeah, I can fit that in. Yeah, yeah, I, I can make it work. I don't know. I'm kind of crazy busy, but it's all right. We'll make it happen. And, and I just got to say, too, and I've been there as a parent, right? Parents, and we do this for our kids constantly. We, we want them to experience everything. The world tells us that they have to experience everything. So they get to be in every sport. They get to be in every activity because we never say no. This is why parents are taxi drivers, right, for their teenage years, right? You're just constantly going from one place to the other because we won't say no to our kids because we don't want our kids to miss out. But what they're missing out on by being so busy is a Sabbath with the Lord. They're losing relationship with God and with you because they're so busy and you're, so, you're letting them be so busy. And all it is is, a, you know, I mean, this is going to continue the cycle. When they're a parent, they're going to do the same thing. We as parents have to begin to say no to this culture. Our kids don't need to be in everything. And if your kids are in everything, don't think I'm like judging you, okay? That's, I get that. I, it's hard. But I just want to encourage us to recognize that if we're going to really practice Sabbath, we have to begin to say no. And then we have to pick a day. No, everybody's like, well, it should be Sunday or Saturday at least, right? Well, yeah, most people it would be Saturday or Sunday, but not necessarily for everyone. I don't Sabbath on Sunday, surprising. I don't know, maybe that, maybe that is or not. It's kind of a work day for me, kind of a big day, I don't know. But I, so I don't Sabbath on Sunday. But Monday I do. That's my, that's my Sabbath day. I don't do anything on Monday. That's, that's my down, I mean, I spend a lot of time on the couch, you know, and my eyes kind of open and close every once in a while and, you know, those kind of things, right? And, and doing whatever the Lord leads me into in, that, in those days. But we need to pick a day, and it needs to be a 24-hour period of time. So it doesn't, if you, you can't do a full day on a Saturday, you know, start on, you know, Friday night at 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. or whatever and go till, you know, the next day at 7 p.m. or whatever, right? But 24-hour period of time. This is what we're striving for, right? And if you can't get a full 24-hour in, then start with 12 hours and keep working your way up. But in order to get there, you got to start saying, again, no. And I think once we start to do this, again, the joy that comes from that, the celebration that comes out, the rest that comes from that, it's going to continue to motivate you to do it more and more. Other thing I would encourage you to do is, what do you do on a Sabbath, right? I mean, Sean, you said you just lay on the couch all day. Is that really what you do? Well, I would encourage you, if you've never done it, to make a list, right? Make a list of things that you could do. 
Activities that you could be, uh, that you could, you know, do with your family. If you have kids, you know, okay, what are we going to do with the kids? How, uh, maybe games we'll play, activities that we'll do. Maybe, you know, nap is part of that. But make a list, you know, of time for worship, of time of reading the Bible and prayer, time for fellowship and, and taking a nap, whatever it may be. But make a list, but don't feel like it's a, you know, a dictation, right, or a command. You've got to do everything on that list, right? Sometimes we do that. We make our list and we go, oh, I got to get through my list by the end of the day. Now that is not Sabbath, okay? Now you're driven again by productivity. Try to get through that list. It's the list is just ideas. And then you get up and you start your Sabbath and you kind of, okay, here we go. Uh, a, a lot of uh, people that do start their Sabbath in the evening, they start with a Sabbath dinner. And they get together as a family and they just have this m- amazing meal. And they take their cell phones and they took all their digital devices and they put them in a box and they... Dr- flush them down the toilet, whatever. And then they, then they have their Sabbath time. And, and that way they're not distracted. That way they can focus on what they're doing and, and just enjoy each other's company and time with the Lord. Also, with the Sabbath, you have to cut stuff out. You can't work, right? I mean, that's the whole point of Sabbath. So you're not checking emails if that's part of your job. You're not checking text messages if that's part of your job. You're, you're not, you know, doing work at all. It's not a, oh, I just got to check a couple of things. No, no work. You're not doing the to-do list thing. See, this is where we, this is where we really lose it, I think, because we have a, a culture where we work five days and then we have the weekends off. So Sunday becomes, or Sabbath day becomes a day to do all the chores around the house. So we've got to clean, you know, we've got to vacuum, we've got to wash the windows, we've got to mow the lawn, we've got to, you know, whatever it may be. It, Sabbath is not for those things. Now, let me give a caveat here a little bit. I mean, if you love to garden, like my mom, she like loves gardening, right? I mean, that just brings her joy. Right? Well, so that's not a chore, right? So that's something that she could potentially do, and it's not on a Sabbath, and it's not going to be something that's like the to-do list, right? But we need to really be discerning about that. If, if it's just a to-do list, if it's just an errand, right, that we're running in order to get our list done so that tomorrow's easier, okay, that's not Sabbath, right? We need to cut some stuff of this, cut these things out. Uh, basically, we need to cut out production, anything that you're doing that produces, right? I mean, you're trying to produce something for the world. Production, cut it out. Urgency, cut it out. Hurry, cut it out. Don't have those things in your life on Sabbath. It, it, allow it to be just kind of a, a lazy day together where you just kind of go with whatever happens, right? You know, and, hey, we should play a game. All right, let's do it. You know, hey, we should go for a walk. Yeah, let's, yeah, that sounds good. Let's go for a walk. So you have some ideas, but then you just kind of allow the Lord to lead you in that and see what happens. Hey, we should spend some time reading scripture. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, we should spend some time worshiping. Let's put on some worship music. And my voice isn't very good, so let's, you know, I'll let somebody else sing, but I'll hum along. Um, and finally, uh, you know, it's about enjoying Jesus. It's about enjoying our time with Him. It's about getting in touch with Jesus. I, I wonder sometimes... How many of us really like Jesus? And maybe you've asked yourself that question. Maybe you've even struggled with that question. Do I really love Jesus? Do I really want to spend time with him? And and, and I don't want to fill this room with guilt for those that maybe don't practice Sabbath like I'm describing. That's not the point. The point is is that if you ever wondered if you love Jesus then you have to spend time with him, and then you'll find out. 
See, so, so often, again, we try to do these quick devotions in the morning, which are great and important for our week, maybe to start each day off right. But if that's all we're doing, if we're not spending a day in the presence of God, spending time just hanging out with Him, then we can't really develop that love relationship. If you want to develop your love with Jesus, then you need to spend time with Him. Now, He's with us everywhere we go. He's always there. And that's, we can praise the Lord for that. In six days, that's how we operate. We're busy. We're, we've got a lot of stuff to do, a lot of work to do. And we're doing arrow prayers throughout the day. We're starting our day with maybe a short period of time of reading his word and getting in touch with him and, and having some time to prayer with him and conversation. But then we're going to take one day where we're going to stop. Okay, this is God's day now. This is, this is the day to spend time with my family, with friends, and with Jesus. All right, worship team, why don't you come up, and as you do, I'm going to read a quote that I think really kind of sets um, the atmosphere, maybe, or kind of what, what Sabbath is kind of about, and, 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 and I hope that by it, maybe it'll produce in some of us this deeper longing for Sabbath and to spend more time with God, and it's a, it's a quote by Ruth Haley Barton. Um, oh, I'm drawing the blank on the book. Ah, anyway, it's a great book. Anyway, sorry about that. Should have wrote it down, but I thought I'd remember it, but I don't. Anyway, but most of you probably know Ruth Haley Barton. But this is a quote uh, by her talking about her struggle. And understand, Ruth Haley Barton, this is a book about uh, d- disciplines is what the book is about, uh, spiritual disciplines. But uh, she is type A, like go, go, go personality. And so this is kind of coming from her own wrestling with this Sabbath and trying to get, her, get herself to stop. And, and then she writes this, and it's just beautiful. So here we go. I do not know everything there is to know about Sabbath. In this discipline, as much as any other, I am a beginner. What I do know is there have to be times in your life when you move slow. Times when you walk rather than run allowing your body to settle into each step. Times when you sit and gaze admiringly at loved ones rather than racing through an agenda. Times when you receive food and drink with gratitude and humility rather than gulping it down on your way to something more important. Times when hugs linger and kisses are real. There have to be times when you read for the sheer pleasure of it, marveling at the beauty of words and the writer's endless creativity in putting them together. There have to be times when you sink into the comforts of home and become human again, rather than using home as a hotel or a fast food restaurant. Times when you light a candle and find the place inside you that loves, and then pray out of that place. There have to be times when you let yourself feel what you feel, when you let tears come rather than them, blinking them back because you don't have time to cry. There have to be times to be the creature, softer, more vulnerable, and more human 
rather than always being tough, defended, and in control. There have to be times to sit with your gratitude from the good gifts in your life that get forgotten in the rush to celebrate and play and roll down hills and splash in water and spread paint on paper or walls or each other. There have to be times to sit and wait for the fullness of God that replenishes body, mind, and soul, if you can even stand to be so full. There has to be a time for the fullness of time or time is meaningless. Amen?